On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to ask, when have I done enough? Yeah, or have I done enough? enough. You know, I I, want to have some confidence that I could go to heaven when this life is over. Have I done enough so that I can go to heaven? That's the question we want to deal with tonight. And I think a lot of people ask that question. Exactly. I've been asked that question any number of times. All right, we're going to talk about it. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, July 18th, 2019. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Great to be with you, Jacob. Good to be with you. Kyle Barnes is behind the controls tonight. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Thanks for being here, and thank you for being here on the other end of the line. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Or they're signing in the chat room tonight. You want to sign in and chat with other listeners there. We're looking forward to hearing from you on the program. Before we get into our subject matter for tonight, Jacob, we have uh, uh, on the phone line with us Wilson Adams in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Welcome, Wilson, to the Virtual Bible Study. Hey, thank you. I'm glad to be uh, glad to be a part. Glad to uh, join in for a few minutes. Yeah, uh, I asked Wilson earlier today if he'd be willing to join us. Wilson is the is going to lead our community Bible study next Monday and Tuesday evening. We've been talking about that for a few weeks leading up to this. This is our ninth annual community Bible study here in in Columbia. Uh, I think most of our listeners are familiar with this concept. We go to a, a municipal auditorium near downtown Columbia called the Memorial Building. Easy to find just a couple blocks west of the downtown uh, courthouse square and uh, uh, we have a bible study and and wilson's going to lead us in that study and then we each evening we open that up to a little bit of questions and answers and our theme this year that we've asked wilson to teach about god family and country wilson you're going to do you're going to do that in two parts uh, questions uh, and answers and our theme well, this year yeah, that wait, we wait, 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 we get a little feedback about, there we go. Okay. Uh, Wilson, you're going to yes. do that in two parts for us. Right, right. I'm going to talk Monday night about, I think I'm going to talk Monday night about we the people and focus in on God and faith and the history of our country and where we've come from and then kind of talk a little bit about how we've kind of got off track somewhat um, uh, from the original idea of what uh, what our nation really should be. And I tell you what, I also want to talk a little bit about um, politics in general in that sometimes we get maybe a little too involved in some things that really we can't do a whole lot about, and we lose our focus even in that area. So um, I really believe the passage that says righteousness exalts a nation is still true, uh, and that principle, that biblical truth uh, is still Still is uh, is just as true as it was when it was written. So we're gonna we're gonna talk some about uh, we're gonna talk some about all of that on Monday night as we focus in on God and faith and and country. And then Tuesday night we're gonna switch a little bit and really interject into the family. And I was sitting one day and I just made a list. If I had to if I had to teach my children ten things or ten things they needed to know, what would those ten things be? 
And and those are going to be bullet points. We can go through them pretty quickly. But there's ten things that I think every child deserves to know. Uh, and so we'll talk about that on uh-huh. on Tuesday night as we really focus on the on the family. You know, as the as the family goes, the nation goes. And so the two concepts, the two ideas are tied in together. I'm really excited about being in Columbia and looking forward to the opportunity to uh, to talk to the people. I think those lessons sound exciting, Wilson. Uh, I think parents especially have got to be concerned about raising their children in this present environment. And so that, that lesson about ten things we want our kids to know sounds very exciting for parents. But yeah. but all of us have got to be concerned about the direction that our country is going Sure, and and sure. especially that God is being, we're, we're becoming, and I think all of the sociologists and others who study such things say we're becoming a secular society, which is a cha- which is sort of a, 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 a sea change in regards to America mm-hmm. because we've always mm-hmm. been a religiously based country. And well, we have, and I lived in Washington D.C. for twelve years, and, and everywhere you go in in in, uh, in Washington, like you have scripture everywhere, and. References to God everywhere, and it's etched in the marble of the monuments. Yeah. Um, and it's probably a good thing it's etched in the marble. Yeah. Uh, but but you know you see that when you when you go go there, and yet we've kind of we, we've got away from we've got away from all of that. Yeah. And maybe we need to be reminded of where we've come from and what the intent was and. So we'll talk about that. That sounds great. That sounds great. Well, we're looking forward to having you here next Monday and Tuesday sure. evening. And uh, we sure. hope that everybody who's within a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, will make a special effort to be here. I know that the lessons will be worth the effort for you to come and join us in this community Bible study effort. Looking forward to seeing you, Wilson. Okay. I'm looking forward to being in Columbia next Monday night, Monday, uh, Tuesday night. All right. Thanks, Wilson. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yes, good night. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, a good uh, good preview there of uh, an important discussion, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I think it should be really good. 7 o'clock each evening. Find out more at our website, collegeview.com. You can get yeah. there from thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Yeah. And and you know, I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with, with our venue, the Memorial Building. We've been there for the last several years. Uh, I guess we probably have had one, two, three. Uh, I guess this will be the sixth year that we have been at the Memorial Building. It's real easy to find if you come to Columbia and you drive to the downtown courthouse square and then just go west two blocks and it's on the north side of West 7th Street. Now there's... There's a lot of road construction, unfortunately, right in front of the That's memorial no building. There's plenty of parking. But around there's it. around the back and in and nearby parking areas. There's there's lots of parking, so it's a little inconvenient, but it's not a it's not a, a deal breaker. Seven o'clock each evening. Lots of uh, folks will be there, hopefully, and uh, you'll want to be there as well. Uh, question and answer at the end of the pro, at the end of the presentation. If you've got questions about something that was said. Uh, you'll be passing around a, a sheet. That yeah, they... when you come in, we'll give you a card, and and the card will serve the purpose of letting you request uh, CD copies of the audio of the event, uh, but also give you a chance to submit some written questions. That and we'll put Wilson on the spot at the end of the of his presentation and and ask him to deal with some 
questions submitted by the audience. So you want to be there, and if you have any questions about that, maybe you need more details, questions at collegeview.com. And I hesitate to say this because we don't want anybody to stay home and watch on the computer when you could be here in person. Yeah, but I see Lou and Jeff and Pam and Mike and Dwight. They're they're far, far away. They can't drive to Columbia. So we're going to to be streaming this thing live uh, on, on our other channel, not on the Virtual Bible Study channel, but on our College View live stream channel so go to youtube you you can go to our web, website collegeview.com and find the link but or you can go to youtube and look for college view live stream and we'll lord willing we'll have the we'll have the event live streaming monday and tuesday nights also check it out there yeah we might we podcast it kyle you want to put it in the podcast feed too we can just we'll wear this thing out all right so it's going to be a good uh, a good session good study and uh, either watch it on the live stream listen to the podcast better yet be there in person we're looking forward to it exactly right all right all right, so let's get to our topic for discussion tonight. Uh, the question comes up. Sometimes it is literally worded. And, and in my experience, I've had several experiences wherein people who are maybe anticipating death, maybe they're real sick, maybe the diagnosis that they've been given is not good and, they, and the prognosis for recovery is not great. And so they're they're thinking about death and judgment and eternity and I have been asked the literal question, have I done enough? Have I done enough to go to heaven? Uh, and so that's a concern that a lot of people have, and, and we want to address that concern uh, in our study tonight because it really is the question, Jacob, of can we have confidence? Can we approach death uh, with confidence concerning our eternal salvation? That's that's what we really want to know. Okay. Is it possible to be, be feel Secure and confident. So earlier today, to our update list, just I, two questions today. Just two but questions. It's off easy. Yeah, couple questions. Uh, if you're not on our email list, get on the list. Send us an email to questions at collegeu.com and just say add me to your list, and you'll get these updates on Thursday about midday, telling you what our subject matter is going to be. So here are the questions that I sent out earlier today. Number one, what is the answer to the question? Have I done enough? What's the right answer to that question? And you got to you got to explain your answer. You got to give us an answer, but you also got to explain it. Okay. And then number two, which sort of gives away the answer to the question number one, uh, is if if a long list of personal accomplishments does not provide confidence to salvation, how can we develop a real sense of confidence? And then we want to talk about things that that lend comf- confidence and comfort to us, trusting God, prayer, Bible study. Uh, a, a realistic view of what I can and cannot do, a sharp focus on the the main thing, what's really important, a proper view of my past, present, and future, and keeping busy in God's service. So if you can comment on any of those things, send. we're still monitoring our email. Send us an email. We've got the chat room open, uh, so let us know. And there's also a chat room in our YouTube window. If Our YouTube uh, channel for the Virtual Bible Study is just Virtual Bible Study. Uh, and so uh, you can you can there's a chat room there and I see Sharon's in that chat room, uh, so and and maybe I didn't know this but Sharon's saying after some tests today she has this is weighing on her mind so maybe Sharon got a bad diagnosis we'll have to find find out more about that okay yes certainly do we'll be thinking about you Sharon we'll find out more okay all right uh, so should we. Uh how do you want to do this? You want to dive into the questions? Yeah. Are the answers? Okay. Question number one. Answer is no. Okay. Let's go to question two. <laughs> answer to question one. Have I done enough? The answer, just the 
plain, flat-out answer is, no, you have not done enough. And someone says, well, how do you know? You don't even know me. Yeah, a lot of nerve you got. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the, the reason we can say so confidently that the answer is no is that you cannot do enough to earn your salvation. You think about the question, have I done enough? The implication of that is if I did do enough, I would earn my salvation. And when I went before the Lord in judgment, I, I could say, you have no choice. I earned it. You've got to give me what, what I earned. I, I deserve to go to heaven. And there is absolutely nobody who can do that. Uh, and we should never imagine, Jacob, that, that we are good enough or have done so much that God owes us salvation. So yeah, we, I, I'm not going to be able to stack up, stack up the good deeds enough. Is that? Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check. That these are going to be my ticket in. Yeah, uh, I, I've got it. I've got it made. Yeah, there, you cannot get that ticket. You, okay. you don't have a ticket that is earned. You don't yeah. have a, you don't have a paycheck where, that you can cash. Yeah. Uh, the, the right view of, of, of our efforts in service to God, I think, is expressed real succinctly in Isaiah 64 verse six. Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. If you, if you think of the way Isaiah worded, that's a pretty dark picture. But I, the, the part of that that I always remember is that middle phrase, All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You know, what, what's a filthy rag worth? You know, I don't know about you. I don't try to salvage my rags in the shop if i'm working on something and it gets all dirty i throw that away and get me another rag rags aren't worth anything and what isaiah is saying there is that uh, anything that we could do is just about as valuable as a filthy rag it, toward earning our salvation uh and so we need to view it that way um, now when we make this point uh, we have to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 also. Yeah. Uh, this, unfortunately, is an often misused passage, but it actually addresses the question that we're asking tonight as to whether we could earn our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so the reason that gets misused is some Sometimes people say there's nothing we have to do to be saved because if we tried to do anything to be saved, that'd be works and we'd be trying to earn our salvation. And that we, we've talked about that so many times on the virtual Bible. Like, That's a gross misuse of, of what Paul was saying. The works that salvation is not of works that a man could boast about. There are no works that you could do. No, no uh, 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 compiling of works that you could do. Wherein you can say, man, look at me. Look what I have done. There are no works that a man could boast. The salvation is not of meritorious works wherein a man could boast. And so, again, no, you have not done enough because it's impossible to do enough to earn your salvation. Right, right. Um, and here's what Kemp, here's how Kemp put it in uh, in his email. He said, at various times, those who strive to be faithful to Christ fall into the trap of thinking too highly of ourselves or perhaps of our accomplishments. Even when we have accomplished that which is required of us, we are still unprofitable servants. He references Luke 17, verses 7 through really 10. Really good. Uh, but which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say to him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet, and will not rather say to him, 
Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did those things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise, when ye have done all those things which uh, are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty. Even if, you could, if you could do everything, you'd still be an unprofitable servant. Kent concludes, such is the case because even at our best, we are still dependent upon the mercy and grace of God. Yeah, look at uh, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. The kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done. That is, we are not earning it by any such thing that we think that we may have done. Yeah, so as Kent said, don't begin to think that you somehow have earned it or deserve it. Um, That simply is not the case. Jeff in Livingston, Tennessee tonight says, it sounds like an interesting study. As for these, the questions, while it is not possible for anyone to do enough to go to heaven, for some of us, particularly myself, it wouldn't matter if it was possible, as we aren't capable of doing enough. In other words, if, if it was possible, he says, I don't feel like I would be the guy who could do I'm enough. Not up to the job. Uh, yeah. If, if anybody could. Okay, but I, it's not me. Not me. And okay. I think a lot. I think we all have to feel that way. All right. Now, not would be. And by, by, by the way, there was one person who did That's do enough. True. Jesus That's lived true. the perfect life, but that doesn't mean yeah. we can do it. He said, "Not would we be good enough, even if we gave our best for our entire lives." In other words, our best will never be good enough. Just plain enough, we are destined uh, to mess up and fail, no matter what, as we are nothing uh, but failures, losers, and always will be. Yes, it's true that God with, that with God all things are possible, that we can do all things through Christ, and that God will give us a way to escape temptation. But it's not our faith in God that's lacking. It's our faith in ourselves and in doing our part that's lacking or non-existent. Sadly, uh, this not only in our spiritual lives but in every aspect of our lives. It's just that the spiritual part that hurts the most because it will be uh, the biggest mess up and failure of all. Okay. All right. All right thank you, Jeff. And then uh, Sean is a uh, new listener. In fact, I just added Sean to our mailing list this week, and so he's already chiming in. Thanks, Sean. Great to hear from you. He's from Virginia, and it's the first time to respond to the study. Uh, Thank you, Sean, and we hope it's not the last. He says, my response to the question, have I done enough, would simply be this. There are things that God requires of us in order to go to heaven. We need to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized for the mission of our sins, and then remain faithful unto death. If we have obeyed those commands, then the rest of what we do is simply showing our faith to others by our works, James two fourteen through twenty six. I have struggled with this question myself, and the answer I have found thus far is that we need to be careful not to make salvation a works salvation. If we have done what God has commanded us, then we should live our lives to the best of our ability and be pleasing to Him in all we say and do according to His will, and rely on His grace and mercy. I hope this helps. If I'm wrong, then I hope I will understand after the show this evening. No, Thank I you, think Jeff. that's right. You know, and and unfortunately, we're sometimes accused of teaching a works-based salvation, which we adamantly deny. We do not teach. We do not believe in. We don't believe it's possible to earn your salvation. Uh, meritorious works. We believe there are works, necessary works of obedience, works to to uh, at, uh, to comply with the conditions that God has placed in our salvation, but they don't earn us anything. Uh, you know, if I told you, Jacob, if you come to my house tomorrow at twelve noon, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars. 
course, she would know that's a that's a bogus offer. You slipped a gear or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need to get but, it checked in tomorrow. But morning. but even if it but if it was legit, come to my house at twelve noon. I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars. If you came to my house and it was at twelve noon, you still did not earn a hundred thousand dollars. It would still be something that was undeserved mm. yeah. that you received, but you you met a condition, but you didn't earn the okay. gift. And that's the way salvation is. Salvation is a, uh, the gift of God is salvation through Christ Jesus, and we don't earn it. We could never earn it, but we we still have to comply with conditions to receive it. All right, we can't earn our salvation. We can't do enough to earn it. But you know, I think our listeners have earned a break from having to listen to us talk. All right, we'll Let's give a them a break, and then when we get back, we'll continue the discussion and look at ways that we can have some confidence in uh, our salvation. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, and Bible class teachers and all church members had strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you can always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're still trying to be a church like the church you read about in the Bible. And we're still doing the same things you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return to the way things used to be? Come and visit. See for yourself. Here's some quotes worth pondering. There are no traffic jams on the straight and narrow way. He doeth much that loveth much. The only way to have a friend is to be one. Tis easy enough to be pleasant when life flows like a song, but the man worthwhile is the one who will smile when everything goes dead wrong. Genuine morality is preserved only in the school of adversity. A state of continuous prosperity may easily prove a quicksand to virtue. A Bible in the hand is worth two in the bookcase. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, have I done enough? How can I be confident in my salvation? All right. All right. So the answer we basically answered the question and the answer to the question is no, you have not done enough. But then that leaves us in the dilemma is it therefore not possible for us to approach death, to think about eternity, to consider judgment? Is it is it impossible for us to approach that with any kind of confidence and, and comfort and consolation? And I, I, I think the answer to that question is no, too. I think we can approach. The answer uh, to that question is yes. The answer to that question is yes, we can approach yeah. uh death and judgment, eternity with confidence. And I made a list of some things, and I would also challenge our listeners if if there's anything additional that you think of as we're discussing these things uh, to, to throw those in the mix, too. Uh, but the first thing that I would say is we've got to trust God. We, we were just saying don't trust yourself. You can't trust yourself. You cannot. You cannot. Earn it on your own, no matter what you did or how much you did or how long you did it. It wouldn't be enough. You can't trust in your your own self, but you can trust in God. And I, I picked out some statements in Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5 and then uh, skipping it on down in the chapter. But from Proverbs 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Then skipping down to verse 23, 
Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. And so uh, there the wise man said, you know, you, you've got to trust in the Lord, and you've got to let him direct your steps. But when you do, then he says there's a, there's a comfort, there's a consolation, there's, there's a confidence that comes from doing that. All right, absolutely. Uh, along those lines, Kent said, trusting God is not a blind faith, such as a total submission to his will. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, because God cannot lie, we can be diligently assert, assured that he keeps his promises, Hebrews 6, verses 10 through 19. Yeah, I think that's right, Kent. You know, if you went back to that illustration I offered a minute ago, Jacob, come to my house tomorrow at noon and I'll give you $100,000. I'm not keeping that promise. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not capable of keeping that okay. promise. All right. Uh, but God is fully capable and he can't lie. He's capable of doing what he said he would do and he can't lie. Therefore, he will do what he said he will do. And there's all reason to have confidence in him in that way. All right. Um, the chat room's silent tonight. Why don't you uh, ch- chime in? How can you have confidence in your salvation? Uh, send him in the chat room. Let me read a couple other verses I had along this line of trusting God. Hebrews 13, beginning verse 5. Let your conversation or manner of life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Notice we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. Uh, So, you know, that's that just certainly speaks of confidence that I can I can confidently affirm the Lord is my helper. and and so if I put my trust in him, I, I, I will not be disappointed. That's the difference between trusting God and trusting self or trusting anybody else for that matter. If we put our trust in humans, be that be it ourself or some others, we will be disappointed uh, inevitably. Yes. But if we put our trust in God, uh, he'll be with us. He promises and everything will work. A very familiar the passage is Romans 8, and a famous quotation there in Romans 8, verse 31, beginning, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's real hope. Uh, I mean, and if we focus on that, that, that the one who's making these promises is the eternal God, there's, there's comfort in that. Uh, and we should be comforted to know that the one who's making us are these promises, God himself. All right. 877-381-4567. Again, the chat room, light it up in there for us tonight. Let us know how, how do you, <coughs> how do you have confidence? How do you know, uh, that you have salvation? Um, what, what, we're coming up on a break, but just to introduce another thought, <clears throat> two things that I think work together they're not they're not the same but they are sort of partners they work together prayer and bible study okay are two things that lend to the confidence that we can have as christians and and probably an oversimplified way of looking at it but when we pray we're talking to god and when we read our bibles he's talking to us and so it's the idea of communication uh communication how, how do 
how do we have confidence in one another? For instance, uh, if you're if you're uh, on the job or uh, in your families, uh, in the community, the workplace, whatever, how do you have a confidence with an, in another individual on the job? Say, say you you do a job that very much requires the the capable cooperation of another individual. In other words, oh, yeah. you, re- you really can't do your job unless he's doing his job. Yeah, there's some dangerous jobs like that. Yeah, there are some dangerous jobs. Yeah. But in, in almost all jobs, you could lose your job mm-hmm. if that other guy messes up and, mm-hmm. and, and reflects on your work, Yeah, even if it's not a dangerous job. If it's a dangerous job, you there's another fact. Yeah, you lose your life. But it, if even if it's not a dangerous job, you could lose your job. Yeah. If, if the guy that you're supposed to be teaming with or cooperating so how do, how do you develop confidence? Well, you talk to him, and he talks to you. Okay, now what are you going to do here? Well, here's what I'm going to do here. Let's do this. You do this, and I'll do this, and we'll work this out. And and then you have some confidence that the, that the job will turn out right. Communication. Communication is the key there. And what we're saying is if we want confidence in, in how eternity is going to turn out for us, then <clears throat> communication with God is critical. Prayer is the way we communicate to him through the inspired word is how he communicates with us. And we need to we need to be working on that communication. Let's grab a break, Jacob. When we come back from that break, we'll, we'll build on that just a little bit. Dwight in the chat room says, Paul was confident in Second Timothy. I have fought the good fight. He did what he needed to do. And if we do what is expected of us, we can be confident. I think that's a really good verse, Dwight. And and I do think, you know, uh, a lot of times I think people are, are hesitant to speak with confidence about <clears throat> their salvation. Paul sure wasn't hesitant to speak with confidence. If uh, As the, the passage that Dwight suggests in Second Timothy 4, verse 6, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. And not to me only, but all unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul spoke with great confidence. And that's the kind of confidence that we want to try to develop concerning our salvation. All right. We're going to break it this week's bullet point and your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. We're frequently asked about the reliability of our Bibles. Specifically, how can we be sure that the Bibles we are reading today are true to the original messages delivered so long ago? In particular, can we be sure that the New Testament has not been altered and changed in the almost 2,000 years since it was written? The answer to these questions is a resounding yes. We can be absolutely certain that we have good, reliable copies of the messages as they were originally written. To illustrate how we can have this confidence, consider this illustration. At a potluck dinner, Sally has a delicious dish, and several other ladies ask for her recipe. Sally makes three handwritten copies of her recipe and gives them to Anna, Betty, and Clara. A good while later, Anna pulls out that recipe and is preparing to fix the dish. She calls Sally to confirm the ingredients, but Sally has lost her original copy of the recipe. Is there any way for Anna to confirm the accuracy of her copy? Yes. Although the original has been lost, Anna can compare her copy to those of Betty and Clara. If all three agree, she can have good confidence that her copy is exactly like the original. Now, take this illustration and apply the same principle to the New Testament. Admittedly, the original autographed copies of these documents are all lost and unavailable. But there are literally thousands of copies of those originals, many dating back to the immediate time frame in which the originals were written. 
By comparing these thousands of copies and by observing their nearly perfect similarities, we can conclude that our Bibles today are true to the originals. In fact, there's no book of antiquity that comes even close to the Bible in being able to prove this sort of documentary evidence for authenticity and accuracy. So yes, you can trust your Bible. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hey, Mommy. I'm too old. Um, this is the virtual Bible subject. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight, and we want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And uh, you want to check out our website so you can find out more information about our community Bible study this coming Monday and Tuesday night. Uh, you'll want to be a part of that. Uh, find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about uh, confidence that we have in our salvation tonight. Have I done enough? The answer to that is no. Then if that's the case, how can we have confidence? All right. So we were talking just before we went to the break about the importance of prayer and Bible study. Uh, so... Uh, w- we have a great privilege in prayer that I think we take for granted, and probably because we take it for granted, we don't use it as effectively as we can and should. But notice notice what the Hebrew writer says, Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Right? So, uh, you know. That's what I need, mercy and grace. I need mercy and grace, and and I get it. I can I can access the throne of grace freely, boldly. Yeah, that's really an interesting picture. We've talked about this before. I know in our in our studies here at College U. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the virtual Bible study, but in our Bible classes and some of our private studies here, we've talked about how interesting it is that we are invited to come boldly before God's throne. That that's you didn't do that to a king in in the ancient world. Uh, you you may remember in the story of Esther in the Old Testament uh, when Mordecai wanted her to go before the king and speak on behalf of the Jews uh, to save them from annihilation. She said, "The king hasn't summoned me." And and the reason why she expressed that concern was that in that time if you went before a king having not been called or or summoned to his presence there was it was just as likely that you would be executed as if that you'd be received only if he held out the scepter when you appeared um, and it was totally at his discretion but it was not an open door i guess what we're saying here is it it was not an open door to go before a king it was a very exclusive thing to go before the throne of the king so but here's the throne of god and we're told to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. That's that's really incredible if you think about it. And we have that avenue. And so how can we have confidence? Well, one of the reasons we have confidence is we have an open door of communication with with the almighty creator of the universe. Amazing. What more could you want? You know, uh, and, and, you know, if, if I had a, if I had an open door to. Uh, the governor of Tennessee, I think I had a real advantage over people. If I had an open door to President Trump's Oval Office, I would think, man, I I am privileged beyond almost anyone else. Yeah. Well, obviously, I don't have those things, but what I do have is an open door invitation to the throne of God. Hey, those pale in comparison to Exa- that. Exactly right. <clears throat> uh, and then, so... 
prayer's one side of that equation, and the other side of that equation is the comfort of the scriptures. Romans 15, verse 4, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Notice that, notice that expression there in, in Romans 15, 4. There is comfort of the scriptures. That's incredible. So, but I, again, if I don't avail myself of that, uh, then time wasted. Well, along those lines, Kent in Georgia says Bible study is a, is the means to increase our faith. Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Prayer is the means wherein we exercise that privilege of the request element, making God, uh, asking God for those blessings that we need. First Peter three verse twelve. Which says, First Peter 3, verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of, God, of the Lord is against them that do evil. And he goes on and he concludes that. He says, uh, as well as confessing our sins as, as penitent fallen children asking for his forgiveness. First John 1, verse 9 and 10. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. All right. Really good, Kent. I think you're exactly right. All right. Uh, so, if we just stopped right there, I think we provided, a, 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 I think, a huge measure of confidence, because that's what we're talking about. How can I be confident? Trust God. He made promises. God keeps his promises. Use the incredible avenue of prayer. Study your Bible and 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 get the comfort that comes from, oh, so many, hundreds upon hundreds of passages that give us that kind of promise and consolation. All right. Still need some comments in the chat room tonight. We need to, I guess we need to be confident that our listeners are awake in the chat room. It's pretty quiet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I got an email from, uh, from Danny in Kentucky who wants to be added to our list. We'll sure do that, Danny. Thanks, Danny. Uh, and he says, almost every page of scripture tells us God expects wholehearted obedience. Based on Scripture, do you believe that those who do not serve God with wholeheartedness or with all their heart, soul, and strength will be saved? I'd be afraid to take a chance of giving God anything less than our best based upon what I've studied. Uh, I'd have to agree with you, Danny. Danny. Uh, In other words, I I don't think that there's any consolation in the Scriptures for somebody who's just going about it. In a lukewarm way, the service to God in a lukewarm way, you got to be reminded of the statement that the Lord made to the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. Uh, he says in verse 15, I know thy works, uh, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched. And miserable and poor and blind and naked. So uh, certainly that half-hearted service of the Church of Laodicea was not pleasing to the Lord. Well, here's one, and this this is one that Kent referenced in his earlier comment in Hebrews chapter five, verse nine. And being made perfect, talking about Christ, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And so, if I know uh, if, if if God's told me to do something, and I say, yeah, don't really feel like doing that. Uh, that's not what I, that's not what I wanted to do. Christ doesn't save those who don't obey Him, and so along Danny's lines, uh, thoughts there. Yeah, wholehearted uh, service to God is what God demands. Yeah, exactly right. All right. 
I got another suggestion here that I uh, I have to try to develop my idea a little bit. I, I suggested in the questions that we've got to have a realistic view of what we can and cannot do. And what I mean by that is our confidence doesn't come by by being able to solve all the problems, right all the wrongs, get everything and everybody fixed and right. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we can only do what we can do. Uh, and so our confidence doesn't come from perfectly addressing every issue that pops up on the radar screen because we're just not we're not capable of, of resolving every issue that pops up uh, and and we got to be kind of realistic about that you're talking about like interpersonal problems possibly church okay. trouble okay. you know things like that okay. uh, in other words every I, I am capable of fixing everything that goes wrong that's not that's not where my confidence comes from because I can, there's, I, I'm, I'm limited. I have limited abilities, limited opportunities, and so the, I have to be realistic that my confidence is not in that I can handle anything that comes down the road and handle it perfectly and and fix it exactly as it ought to be. We just don't have that capability. Notice what Solomon said. He he learned this lesson in Ecclesiastes eight, beginning verse sixteen. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done upon the earth, then I beheld all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun, because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, further, though a wise man think to know, yet shall he not be able to find it. And so Solomon, in, in his very unique position of being probably the richest man in the world and with incredible wisdom, even he said, I, I, I'm not able to figure it all out or get it all fixed. Uh, so the, uh, I guess we have to uh, – uh, my point is uh, – maybe I'm not making my point very well. You look confused by it, Jacob. My point is that our confidence is not that we are perfectly skilled to do everything because we're not. And again, this would almost go back to the idea of, of earning my <clears throat> salvation because I did everything perfectly. And, and, and we're not able to do that. Uh, there's some things that are beyond our control, and we and we just have to accept that that's not something we can fix. Okay. Let's see what Kent said about that. He said, there are many things that I cannot do, perhaps, that I can learn to do. If I try hard enough, I can accomplish more than what I think. At the same time, we have all have our limitations on what we can do. God, being omniscient, knows this <clears throat> and does not expect that which is impossible on our part. With regards to that of giving God, uh, that of giving God does not expect us to give according to that which one does not have. Second Corinthians eight verses eleven through fourteen. He's talking about our, our financial giving, our yeah. opportunities and responsibilities. Uh, this same principle is true regarding our work. We can always strive to accomplish more and improve our in our labors. However, there's a limitation as to what we can accomplish. God expects us to do our best, but does not expect more than what we can humanly accomplish. Yeah. So, you know, just to illustrate that, maybe say, there's there are people in this world that 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 are, the gospel's not getting to every corner of the world. Maybe there are people in the in, in remote places of the world, and and I, I, I'm I'm concerned. We, we should be we should be getting the gospel out in a more effective way. But I can only do what I can do, and so I, my confidence is not based on the fact that I have been as thoroughly evangelistic as as i possibly could be i i could always do more 
and and my confidence cannot be in the fact that 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 I've reached every corner of the world with the gospel in an event. Or that I taught a family member that needed the gospel that I wasn't able to convince them that they needed to obey the yeah, gospel. Yeah, and so you just it, you, you can only do what you can do, and God only expects you to do what you can do. You know, the parable of the talents. Uh, in the parable of the talents, the five talent man, the two talent man, the one talent man, they had differing ability levels, and and they were only expected to perform at the at the level where they were. They were expected to do their best. But they, it was understood that not everybody could do everything. All right, now I'm starting to get that 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 that, that sealed the deal for me. The parable of the talents. Now okay. I see where now I see where you're coming from. Okay. All right. So the one talent man didn't have to do what the five talent man did, and, and he wasn't expected to. Okay. But he realistically needed to do, do what, what he, he could, could do. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. making sense. All, All right. right. So be realistic about what you can do. Okay. Is the point we're trying to make. Let's grab our last break and we'll fly to the top of the hour. Going to the top of the hour. We still have some more things to talk about. I don't know if our listeners do in the chat room or not, but if you've got some ideas on how we can be confident, share them in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Misconception number 34. The folks at the College View Church of Christ think you have to go to their church to go to heaven. Everyone else goes to hell. You may have heard this, but it's simply not true. We probably believe the same thing you do. We definitely believe the same thing Jesus did in Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter heaven, but those who do the will of my Father will. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The National Center for Health Statistics conducted a survey asking questions about parents' use of disciplinary practices. Among young children aged 19 to 35 months, frequent parental use of disciplinary strategies ranged from 26% who used spanking, 65% used taking away a toy or treat, 67% used yelling, 70% used time out, and 90% provided explanations as a means of discipline. That information is via the U.S. National Library of Medicine. The Word of God says in Proverbs 29, verse 15, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're going to the top of the hour looking for our, our confidence. How can we have confidence in our salvation? Dwight's in Iowa. Dwight's listening and, and awake tonight. Thanks, Dwight. Dwight references Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yeah, that's what being a Christian is about—is being doing good works and being obedient. And and so anyone who is, and, and it's God's plan that we do those things. Yeah. So anyone but, who, but even at that, he he did that. He he designed those good works for our benefit. Yeah. So but it, so anyone who would say, well, you can't you can't you can't do enough to earn your salvation, so you don't have to do anything. Yeah, you, that's you can't, uh, you can't be perfect, so don't so quit trying. That's the dangerous. That's the dangerous other extreme here. We said. You can't do enough, so some some people might react to the other extreme of this. Hey, well, oh, I don't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Anything you know, so goes. that's not true yeah. either. All right. Okay. So my next point is that I sent out to our update list is we got to stay focused on the main thing. Yeah, uh, certainly in our world, there's plenty of things trying to gain our attention, distract us, uh, and and most are really not that important at all. Uh, we got to stay focused on the ones that are important if we want to have confidence toward God. Uh, I, I, I suppose maybe a, a good illustration of how we can get distracted. Uh, 
uh, you know, the, we, we love we love our kids, and we love we love to get them involved in sports, for instance, and and to play baseball. Uh, but I want to tell you, the little league district championship is really not that important. You know, I, I sometimes I think parents imagine this is the end, this is the be all and end all. No, it's really not that important. And and in a week or two, nobody will even remember that game was played, uh, much less remember what part your son had to, to to play in that game. But when but when we allow ourselves to be distracted and lose, so we go to the to, we go to the little league championship game instead of attending worship services. Uh, we, we've lost our focus on the main thing. It would your 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 kid would have learned a lot more of a lesson by forsaking the game and attending worship than vice versa, uh, and so we we just lose focus on the things that are the main thing. I guess that's uh, uh, sort of what um, Danny said in Kentucky about sort of half-hearted service. If I'm if I'm not committed to this, if I'm not giving it my all, then uh, how can I have confidence? Yeah, uh, in the in the parable of the sower. Uh, one of the dangers was, as Jesus explained the parable of the sower, Matthew thirteen twenty two, he that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Cares of the world can choke out the word. We said we get confidence from the word, but the cares of the world can choke out the word, and we can become unfruitful. Um, and you, and you, and when you're talking about this idea of losing sight of what's the main thing, you got to remember the the incident with Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, beginning verse 41. Jesus said, "Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her." You know, so so here's Martha, and she's busy feeding and entertaining guests, showing hospitality. It's all good. But it's not the main thing. And Mary was told, uh, said of Mary that she had chosen the good part. Now, what what Martha was doing was good. What Mary was doing was better. And we got to stay. We got to keep focused on what is the main thing if we want to have confidence uh, in in regards to eternal things. Along those lines, uh, Kent says we need to stay focused on living a life acceptable to God and accomplishing those things as set forth and authorized in His words. Philippians chapter three. Verses 8 through 11, we need to do our best in leading lost souls to come to an understanding of truth that will result in their obedience to the gospel of Christ. We need to accomplish our best in promoting a lifestyle that will encourage brethren to remain faithful to Christ. However, we need to be careful to remember that even in doing our best, other individuals are free moral agents that we cannot force to accomplish what God would have them not, uh, what God would have them to do. And so he says we need to be doing our best we need to be focused on what is important, um, and he references Philippians chapter three verses eight through eleven. Uh, Philippians chapter three verses eight through eleven uh, says um, that uh, yea, doubtless, and I count all things for loss, but for the ex- excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is uh, through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made uh, conformable to and to his death, 
if by any means I might attain to the re- to the resurrection of the dead. And so Paul was willing to count all things for loss. He was staying focused on the main thing. Thanks yeah. for that, Kim. In the chat room, Lou in Minnesota has joined in. Thanks, Lou. He says, Christianity isn't a religion of do, do, do. It's a religion of done. The work needed to get into heaven has already been done for us. Instead, the work we do is in love for our Lord. And I would agree uh, in a way, but I'd also um, probably want to expand on that thought. Certainly, we could not make heaven if if Jesus had not done what he did. And you, you could you could do you could do insurmountable things uh, and you still wouldn't be able to go to heaven if it wasn't for what the Lord had done. But that does not say that no, no, the, the part of this that I'd have a little bit of contr- uh, uh, have to disagree with is the work done to get into heaven has already been done for us. Jesus has done his part. God has done his part. But there's still a part for us to do. Jesus said, and, and, and Lou is rightfully linking that with love. Uh, what we do is in love for our Lord. But Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, verse 15. And in 1 John 5, verse 3, he said, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. And so, uh, I guess my only slight disagreement with Lou there would be, I wouldn't want to leave the impression that there's nothing for us to do because it's all been done for us by Jesus. Jesus has done the part for us that we could not do for ourselves, but there's a part for us to do in humbly obeying. And in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter one, uh, in Second Thessalonians chapter, if I get my Bible turned over there, I'll, I'll read it to you in a minute. In Second Thessalonians chapter one. Uh, beginning verse 7, the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And so notice the, the, the emphasis on obedience. That's something we got to do. Is, is that, and that's not been done for us. My obedience has not been done for me. Yeah. What I couldn't do, for myself, the Lord has done for me, but I right. still have to be obedient. Yeah, I think I think Lou would agree with that as well. Uh, so, yeah, Jesus did what we couldn't do. <clears throat> that part's done, uh, but Jesus ex- ex- expects obedience. Paul had that attitude in Philippians 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, so... Um, Paul was reaching forward. Paul was always, ever striving to be more and more like Christ would have him to be. Yeah, and that was that was, that was a point I was going to make from that very verse, Jacob. The next point I was going to make is you got to you got to have a proper view of your past, your present, your future, and that's what that passage Paul uh, that you just read from Philippians three that Paul did. Paul had a Paul had a very bad past, uh, but he was able to put the past issues behind and move forward. He he. He understood that his past was forgiven, that he was presently serving the Lord Jesus. He had a hope of heaven and eternity. And that, and so we have to have that view. Our past, we can't let our past plague us and inhibit us from doing what we can because the promise of forgiveness is thorough in the scriptures. So we, our past is forgiven when we've obeyed the Lord. We serve him presently. We have a hope in the future. 
past, present, and future. Have so, that view. To get at, and remember, Paul's the one who wrote that we couldn't earn our salvation in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. But yet he's still pressing toward the mark. So he realizes that he has to be obedient. He realizes that he has to serve God wholeheartedly, as Danny mentioned. And so we need to be striving for uh, the mark that uh, God has set before us. Yeah, exactly right. All right. In in his email, uh, Kent says, God is willing to forgive me of my past sins if I obey his conditions of forgiveness and is willing through his word, to give me the needed strength from a spiritual perspective for the present and future, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. All right. In the chat room, Dwight says, Our confidence can be shaken with worldly cares, just as Peter's faith was shaken when walking on the water. We have to stay focused on the Lord. That's a pretty interesting tie-in there with, from Dwight. Peter, When Peter took his eye off the Lord and started looking at the waves... He started to sink. He, he stayed, needed to stay focused. Good point. All right. And I got one last done. point. We're, We're just all but out, out of time. My last point is you got to stay busy. In uh, First Corinthians 15, verse 58, <clears throat> Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Always abounding. You know, that, that's, that's a principle that applies whether you've been a Christian for a week, a month, a year, or for 50 years. You need to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Uh, there's no confidence for the person who says, eh, I, I'm just going to take it easy. I'm coasting. I'm, I'm coasting. coasting. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm taking it easy. I'm, I'm slowing down. I've yeah. done enough. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. That's what we were talking about tonight. You haven't done enough. And so you can't say, oh, that's enough. I've done enough. I'm going to slack off now. You've not done enough. Well, that's the point we were making. No, you have not done enough, and you got to keep working. Keep being busy. Keep busy. Stay busy. And uh, can't use the same verse. You guys are on the same brainwave to, to, to finish this off tonight. He said Paul stated it best in First Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Exactly right. <clears throat> All right. All right. We're out of time, but we want to remind everybody one more time about the community Bible study next Monday and Tuesday. <clears throat> By the time we are together again next week on the virtual Bible study, Lord willing, we'll be back here next Thursday night. But when we do, Lord willing, the community Bible study will be history. So if you can participate in whatever way, we we prefer if you're close by to Columbia or within a driving distance, come join us in person. If not, join us online, and I think we'll have a great study. God, family, country. Yeah. What's wrong with our society because God's not in, in our society? And how can we ensure that we have a, a strong family in the wicked society we live in? Exactly. Uh, pertinent lessons for all of us. Kyle, I'm looking forward to it, um, and I know you are as well. Absolutely. I think yeah, it's a fantastic way to spend time with your family and just come and study God's Word. It's just a good time to commune with uh, other Christians, other people like faith. So it's a good time to come out. All right. Uh, Kyle, thanks for getting us on the air tonight. It was good. Thanks for being here. And, uh, Dad, thank you for the good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. And we welcome uh, your comments anytime. You may be listening to this program if you have comments or questions. Questions at collegeview.com. If you have a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we'd love to hear that. You know, we want to talk about things that our listeners want to hear about. And, uh, and no better way for us to know what you want to discuss and study than for you to send in a suggestion. You got a comment? Uh, I, I, I did overlook a comment in the YouTube chat window from Melanie. Oh. All have fallen short, so it's never enough. But we should always be striving for that will of Christ, which is exactly right. Amen. Thank you, Melanie, yeah. for that. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you all for listening. I hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. I hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.